When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any good stories from the road? Pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Glenn Schumann is not going to Alabama to be the Tides defensive coordinator. We'll start right there. I'm Wes Blankenship, Jake Rowe, Jake Roos, Palmer Toms. Gentlemen, what does this mean for the dogs? We were chatting right before we started here. Does it necessarily mean that Georgia has uh, eliminated all threats to take Glenn Schumann away? Or is this just worth celebrating in its own right? For all I know, Glenn Schumann could go be the athletic director at Point University. Um, you know, I really don't know. Uh, I, I do know that he's not going to go to Alabama and become the defensive coordinator. I mean, maybe maybe Nick Saban truly does have something up his sleeve and he's going to bring him back as an analyst. Maybe Glenn Schumann doesn't like money and, and wants to go back and make five figures or something. I don't know. But um, I'll tell you what, I didn't expect Kevin Steele. That's the – <laughs> that's really what I'd like to talk about a little bit more than anything. I'm kind of like that. Uh, like I was telling Roos about this joke that Nate Bargatze did the other day. You walk in and sometimes there's people that, you know, kind of have some things that they'd really like to talk to you about, but you know, they're a little controversial. Um, I'd like to talk more about Kevin Steele um, mm-hmm. becoming Alabama's defense coordinator. Cause that's pretty hilarious to me. Yeah. I listen, I, you got to take, if you're a Georgia fan, I say take a victory lap. Because Glenn Schumann's sticking around for sure. I mean, it's it. Alabama was easily the biggest threat, right? And who could have blamed him? It's a unilateral move to some degree. I mean, it was you were going to transfer over to a very similar job under a, a similar type coach, and it probably boiled down to money and loyalty in the end. And Georgia was able to match the money, and then it looks like the loyalties with Kirby Smart. Like you said, you can't write anything off. Who knows? Maybe he. Uh, uh, becomes the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals after this season, but uh, they've they've done such things before. But uh, listen, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be here sit here and deride Alabama for the Kevin Steele hire. I think that's a push. I think it's a push. I think it's a push over Pete Goldick. I really do. seems like a push. Yeah, from where they were. I mean, uh, in a vacuum. Yeah, Steele stop the steal. You know, but uh, Pete Golding's I, such a good recruiter, though, and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he, whatever happens at Alabama, I, I completely agree with a lot of their fans who are saying they've got to fix linebacker because they're just not, they haven't been very good at linebacker for a while. They got um, Trez. Trez is not toe a toe to, you know, toe. Uh, he's not, he hadn't been that great for them. And then, uh, Wes, I, w- I want to actually ask you a question because we don't get a chance to say, like, hey, Wes, what do you think, bud? Um, you know, what do you think about, you know, Glenn, were you worried? Were you concerned about Glenn Schumann kind of moving on? And did it, did it at any point get like, man, this is just too quiet. This is just too quiet. It's going to come out of nowhere. 
Um, I think when I saw Tresman Marshall go and I saw all of the Alabama fans begging in uh, the Twitter mentions of Glenn Schumann's tweet, <laughs> and it just reeked of desperation at that point. Yeah. And then nothing happened after that for several days, and then days became weeks. Kind of became apparent to me that Bama wasn't going to get that guy. So I don't know if I was ever worried about it, uh, but as far as uh, Schumann's decision, um, I thought maybe Bama could have struck while the iron was hot right when Tresman Marshall transferred, if that was going to be the time period for Schumann and Bama to work something out, but it never happened. But yeah. here's, the, here's the thing, and I think it's big to keep Glenn Schumann, but Georgia would have been just fine without him. It's it's not even that – I mean, I think it's a bigger hit to the inside linebacker coaching than it is the overall defense because you've got Kirby there who's who's called plays and, and been a successful defensive coordinator. You've got Will Muschamp that's a co-coordinator there. I think the inside linebackers is the position where it would have hurt Georgia more Um you know, and I think if you're looking at the two coordinators, Georgia fans would give up Glenn Schumann to keep Todd Munkin. Mm. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't, he, disagree. You, you I don't disagree. disagree with that, Jake. Luckily, that doesn't know. have to be I don't a know, choice. Man. Glenn Schumann, Glenn Schumann is he's beloved, man. I mean, but but here's the thing: is he's probably only here for in Athens for another, you know. It's it's just a matter of time until he gets well, a head Christ, coach. Man, he's already like been here for seven. And Kirby, but but you've got but the thing is, is not, has showed up. Who's to say he's not the oh, new yeah. Kirby where he's That's, just waiting out the had been a grad assistant. right the right well, thing. You, got, analyst. you have yeah. Kirby. You have Kirby. You got your defensive guy, right? Yeah, I I just you're you're as good defensively as you are because of Glenn Schumann, and not just because of inside linebackers. It's because of how he recruits everybody. And he's a tone setter in that program. And listen, man, I mean, I, I think Lynn Schumann is Kirby Smart to Nick Saban. I mean, I think that that's kind of the way it is. And I'm not saying it's going to fall apart or anything like that. But but Lynn Schumann is to Kirby what Kirby was to Nick Saban. And I think if you make this or get things, you disagree. I don't. I don't I think did. there's a more clear comparison between the two. I, I, I'm going to Palmer. I'm, I'm going to. I I think where you're coming from, and I sort of agree with this. Glenn Schumann was not the traveled coach that Kirby Smart was by the time Kirby Smart fell himself Bingo. under Saban. And so, you know, uh, what what's happened for Glenn Schumann is he's gotten to grow up under Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart grew up on the road with a, uh, under now under Nick Saban in a lot of cases, but he was at LSU. He was at Miami. You know, I mean, he's he's been what Valdosta State. He's been a well-traveled guy. And so he kind of cut his chops. Glenn Schumann, I'm not saying I'm not saying he woke up on third base by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but I just I assume that's where you're coming from. No, he helped Georgia build what Georgia's got. Yes, and I agree with that. I, what you're saying is Kirby was Nick Saban's protege, and and I do absolutely agree with that. And and Glenn Schumann is Kirby's protege. There's a reason why he brought him over and, and promoted him. From, from the position he was in at Alabama. But I just don't think that it's it would be as detrimental. I think that I think that Kirby had a huge say, part was a huge part of the reason Alabama was so successful. I think Glenn Schumann is a big part, but I don't think he's massive. 
I, I don't think he's as big to Georgia's success as what Kirby was to Alabama's. I, 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 yeah, I think he's every bit as big because n- not only is Glenn Schumann, and we, you, know, you can kind of go back to the Schumann-Monken thing, Glenn Schumann is an ace recruiter, like an absolute ace recruiter, involved with everybody they recruit pretty much on either side of the ball. Um, we talked about you, you could talk about the experience. Well, Kirby had been more places than Schumann had before he became a defensive coordinator. He hadn't had as much on field experience as Schumann had sure. by the time Schumann, because Schumann was, was an on field coach for six years before he started calling plays. So he was an on field coach for that. Kirby had one year at LSU, one year at Georgia's running backs coach, a couple years at Valdosta State. Um, go Blazers, right? He'd been in the uh, NFL, so, though. I mean, by the time that he showed yeah, up, yeah, and he had, he had one NFL season. I mean, right, I, so you're talking I, about I, you're talking about like five years versus six years of on field coaching. I mean, on I feel like I feel like Kirby was there to help Nick Saban build Alabama into what Alabama became. And then I think that I think Glenn Schumann, in a lot of ways, is so incredibly similar. Now, that doesn't mean that you know it took him a while longer, he didn't have the same amount of experience Kirby did. Uh, coming in, you know, once he once Kirby got to Alabama, um, but in, he's developed it before he became a, a defensive play caller. Um, but I don't know, man. You, you look back at the comments on Glenn Schumann when he was first hired. Three people in the room to finalize defensive game plans: Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Glenn Schumann. It's before the guy ever coached on the field. Um, All right, look, the, the roads the roads are different for Schumann and Smart. I, I'm not necessarily looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, the resumes up to this point are different. I'm looking at what's happening right now in the context of what it means for Georgia and for Bama. Uh, What did we know about what Saban told Kirby when he was shopping around and could have taken the South Carolina job, could have taken the Auburn job? He said, wait for the right opportunity to come up. And you know that Bama kicked the tires on Schumann. What does that say about what Bama is right now compared to Georgia, at least in the mind of Glenn Schumann? Glenn Schumann decided that Georgia is a better destination right now than a lateral move to Bama, and that was not the case five to ten years ago, guys. That is what I'm looking at right now. Glenn Schumann is a co-defensive coordinator at the defending back-to-back national champion program in the country. He said, thanks, Bama. Maybe later – but not right now. And maybe probably got some more cash. Yeah, oh, sure. So. Of course. Of we course. don't know about it yet. You know, and who knows? At some, at some point, perhaps uh, Nick Saban retires and perhaps they're looking for a young up and coming defensive mind. And uh, Glenn Schumann. Who's to say? There. And that's Glenn Schumann's going to take his sweatsuit to Alabama, baby. <laughs> hey, let me ask y'all that. But, but I mean, let's just, you know, do y'all think that Alabama would take a chance on a. Un, you know, person who hasn't been a head coach before, just like Jordan it, did with Kirby. To me, to me, Alabama, the next guy for Alabama is should probably be somebody like that because if I'm an established guy, I don't want to have to walk in and follow. Nick you don't Saban. want it. I, that's but if, if you're I'm an Dabble, established guy. But if, if you're I'm an Dabble established Dabble, guy, you're you're walking into a program that's probably very well off, even in the post Saban era. I mean. You just saw Dan Landing take a Power Five job. Palmer, I know you've probably never seen it before. Alabama used to be just, you know, you know, ball. Mike Shula, Mike Shula, guys. Yeah, (laughs) they used to be. They used to be, you know, groin sweat, dude. It was. I was. I was at the Tyrone Pro Throw leg break game. Oh, ooh, I was. I was there. Um, That was was against Florida. 
I believe so. Yes. Yeah, they had uh, they had beat the they had beat the crap out of Florida. That was Southern Miss. Oh, was it Southern know. Miss? It was disgusting. The, so, Southern Miss was the catch that he had. Oh yeah, he caught the catch Off around the, the guy's yeah. helmet. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there's been all this conjecture, right, about like Dabo Swinney perhaps being the next guy, given his roots and his ties, whatever. If I'm Dabo Swinney, I'm 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 gonna stay at I'm gonna stay at Clemson. Let him build a statue of me and and you know kick my feet up and be the AD. God, it, it, he's such a whiner though. I, would, I I need him to get out of football quick. Joel Osterine has got to get out of football quick, man. <laughs> he is such a whiner. This this whole thing last week about belly aching about his fans, you know, maybe they won't be upset about that. God, Dabo, shut just shut up, man. He needs to he needs to get that Gus Malzahn treatment that that Christy Malzahn just shut up. <laughs> he needs that. He needs somebody to tell him that. I wouldn't, go to, I, wouldn't leave, I, wouldn't right leave, I wouldn't leave Clemson to go to Alabama to follow Nick Saban though. No, it's, especially with what Dabo has built that program into being. Sure, it, it's he should realistically be if Clemson fans are keeping proper perspective. He should be able to coach there as long as he would like to. Just one like thing, one and, and with what the ACC is and right now. And I'm not saying, listen, I, people. No. If Clemson fans find this, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, come at me for that. I, Georgia should like Kirby Smart stay at Georgia for as long as he wants to, for the same reason. The programs were in much different positions when the guy who's currently there took the program over. Well, and and, and the other job. thing you've got to consider with the Clemson job is that. In this new era of the college football playoff, you you win your conference, you are absolutely in it, no doubt what you know whatsoever. Um, the Clemson should be able to win the ACC with with kind of where the ACC is at the the you know lack of competition at least SEC level competition. There's much more competition if you go take the Alabama job than there is if you stick with Clemson. I don't know, man. Miami got a lot better today. Miami got a lot better today. I'm let me ask saying. you. This. Let me ask you this. Uh, ultimately, boiled down to it, and because somebody just mentioned it over here, and I was thinking about it as well. If you had to choose between the two, Glenn Schumann or Will Muschamp, as, as if if you're Georgia's, and you got to keep one. You got to keep Will one. I, if Schumann. I'm keeping anybody on Georgia staff, anybody on Georgia staff for Glenn life, Schumann. it's Glenn Schumann. It's Todd Munkin. It's Glenn Schumann, one hundred percent. Todd Munkin's gonna Todd Munkin's gonna die a lot sooner than Glenn Schumann. <laughs> Munkin out, out on the road, uh, road recruiting. Uh, Ro, you've kind of alluded to it, but I, I want to get your your laser focused crystal thoughts on Steel. You're you don't. Seem I just impressed. don't think. I mean, I, he had a couple good, decent years at at Auburn when Auburn was kind of loaded with talent. And I'm talking about decent years, man. I'm not talking about like astronomically good. I mean, I guess they did have the, you know, they did put it on Georgia that one time in 2017 and then turned right around and were, you know, got it put on them. Uh, but I just, I just don't, Nick Saban's done this before and he was so upset with, with the hire of, of Kevin Steele as, as an office, as defensive coordinator, he fired him after a year and hired Kirby smart. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of how that worked out. So I don't know, man. I just don't think Kevin – and I always hate making definitive statements like this, mainly because I'm not trying to piss anybody off. And, I, you know, I don't like it when people come back, you know, wanting to stab me because I'm not trying to get after them. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I just don't think he's a very good coach. But one more thing on this Saban thing. The one thing about following him, uh, it's not the shadow for me, is they'll never love you like they loved him. 
the shadow. It's a, it's a Marcus Aurelius thing, you know, like it's, this is like a, or an emperor of Rome thing. They will never love you like they loved him. Now, while we're on the spot. topic of, while we're on the topic of Bama coordinators, what do you think about Tommy Reese? I don't even, I don't, I know nothing about Tommy Reese. I know he does have four speed of tight end. My feel. I saw him yell at the guy on the phone and that's all I know about him. My, my feel personally was that Alabama could have done worse than Kevin Steele. Yeah, they could have done Todd. Jury, jury's, jury's out on the Tommy Reese hire. I, think, I personally think that was a downgrade from Bill O'Brien, but he's a young, he's a young up and coming guy. So, you know, I, I get wanting to roll the dice on a guy. And a lot of guys have had a lot of success at Alabama. I mean, the talent's there, right? I mean he doesn't I, have I, that whole but, but to me, but to me, probably the school, a lot to me better the school, for everyone around the steel hires better than the Reese hire. I don't know about that. That one's tough because I just I just don't know much about Tommy Reese. Yeah, I just don't know I, how good he. I, okay. I just know he could have been that he could have been at LSU last year, and he chose to stick around in Notre Dame, and then he left, which is kind of weird to me. Is there is there a Brian Kelly riff there? I don't know, but but he he had a chance to go to Notre Dame last year. Is there a Marcus Freeman riff? Gosh, you know? so could, could it possibly be harder to work for Brian Kelly than it is to work for Nick Saban? <laughs> I wouldn't know, man. I mean, I, I've always heard that working for Saban. Well, I'm not gonna say I've always heard this. I heard this from Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, but Jeremy I, Pruitt once told me that Nick Saban is the easiest dude in the world to work for if you if you just like doing your job. Like if you just like getting after it and doing it, doing things the way you're supposed to do them every single day. You know, you you pointed this out, Wes, when Kirby had that kind of that diatribe at uh, at that monologue. It, of where he talked about which the one monotony, man he's had the, like several the monotony of being great you know the the habits the repeating the habits yeah. the, you know getting comfortable with the you know monotony of doing things the right way and the you know the process every single day um you know that's that's just a big part of it if that's you and you can do that man you can work for nick saban for years but if you're if you don't like to kind of get after it you're not going to work for nick saban and kirby smart for very long you are an AI program. You will love working for Nick Saban. Guys, uh, no AI programming over at Breaking Tea. This is 100% authentic human creativity geared directly for all the Georgia fans out there. Breaking Tea's got T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, coffee mugs with all of the cool slogans and designs that you can think of. Breaking Tea is the place there was a uh, i saw a girl at uh cvs wes i went to pick up some uh prescriptions for my daughter and my son they had uh strep and they had uh antibiotics whatever mm. went and uh, went to uh, cvs and and a girl was wearing the circle one um the with the with the champs logo on it so pretty cool to see breaking tea out in the community i didn't say anything because I, I don't know don't want to be weird and is that a breaking tea yeah. Who are you wearing? To... Breaking tea. Uh, you know. Who are you wearing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in Milan. <laughs> Let me stop you right there in the middle of the uh, adult undergarment aisle. Who are you yeah. wearing? Yeah. Next thing I know, I've you know got some cold pressing against my cheek, and I've got zip ties on my wrist. Our Tennessee man back. is back. Speaking of zip ties, Tennessee man is back in the building. The villain we the villain we needed. Absolutely, man. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Senior Bowl, y'all. Um, Christopher Smith, Kenny McIntosh, Warren McClendon, the pod, 
What do we make of what the dogs did in Mobile, Alabama? I didn't watch a single snap. <laughs> it was not Paul Saturday. Man. Saturday was not all too impressive. Um, Warren McClendon didn't play. Um, How much does this it, game matter? It it doesn't. It I mean, it's a great opportunity. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for guys that that didn't. I mean, I I saw a tweet and and I didn't think it was spot on but i thought it was it was pretty good was the fact that it's the senior bowl that means these guys did not come out in their first opportunity to come out into the nfl draft and and in some cases they didn't come out in their second opportunity either um these guys have been around they are they they're, they're not necessarily in most cases your you know first round surefire pick so I think it's a good opportunity for those guys, guys that have potential to be drafted, to be a day two, day three type guy. Um, and, and I think if you look at um, if you look at Georgia's representation there, that's exactly what that group is. It's a good opportunity for those kind of guys to interact with NFL scouts that they might not get you know the, the opportunity to do at the at the combine or at a pro day where attention is on guys that are of higher caliber. Um, that being said, I, I think the week of practice was good for these guys. Um, didn't keep up with pod a ton. He, he made one, missed one um, in the game. McClendon practiced all week, did not play in the game. Um, Kenny dropped a pass, but... Kenny, Kenny dropped a pass, but then got hurt and, and sat out the second half. Chris Smith finished with four tackles. Um, yeah. So the game, the game's not that important. The uh, game, Isaiah, exactly. Isaiah win, Isaiah win proved that. I mean, he went and had a great week of practice, and then was like, "I'm out. I'm going to go get labrum surgery, guys." I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's that's how that's how that went. It was like, "All right, guys, see you. I did my part. I'm going to go and, have labrum and I surgery." Think, I, I think that's kind of what McClendon did, knowing that he was. Um, I mean, there's a good chance that that's what he was doing, but you know, having come off of that knee injury that he suffered in in the what was it? The SEC championship game? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, knee injury, not all too long ago in that car crash, not all too long ago. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's a situation where he probably did something similar to that. And you're right. The game is not all that important. What's important is the week of practice and the interviews and such. And from everything I've heard from people that were down there, Georgia guys did great in that. Um, but the game, like I said, not all too impressive. And it's really hard to get in a rhythm in this kind of games because you're you're splitting reps, you know, every other drive or every other quarter or whatever. Um, Chris started. I, I do know that he was the starting safety for his team. Um, and and clearly the Georgia player that played the most in that game because he was available for all four quarters. Um, but Jake. But Jake, did you see this arc for uh, Chris Smith? I mean, I I think what we're talking about what like a third roundish pick at this point. I, I don't know that going back in it and and from a recruiting standpoint that I thought that he was going to be like that highly drafted. I thought that he had the potential, but I you know he seems like a pretty solid, consistent pick on a second day. I thought when Chris Smith was getting recruited. Uh, I thought we were probably looking at a depth corner piece that yep. maybe, um, you know, kind of a Tyreek McGee, yep. um, you know, level player. Um, but, you know, he, he, you heard it about him like early on 
um, like, man, this cat, this cat's one of the best tacklers on the team. Um, you know, we don't know if he can hold up physically. He had a lot of nicks and bruises, um, but it didn't take him long to move to safety. And uh, he's done a really good job, man. I mean, he's a really good football player. I, I'm interested to see where he gets drafted because he's not very big. He's under 5'11". Um, I don't know if he's going to run like, you know, like Earl Thomas did. I doubt it. Um, so that, you know, if, you, if you're going to be small, you've got to, you've got to cover a lot of ground. And, uh, but I do believe a team can, can get him and, and, and they can get maybe even get a nickel corner out of it because he does have some corner skills. Um, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to run super great. Uh, and, and, you know, if he can, if he can get anything under like a four five, five, it's probably going to be real solid for him. And if he could somehow crack a four five, it would be incredible. Uh, listen, Wes was at my house last year for the only time I've ever had Wes over. But we're doing an oyster roast when we found out what George Pickens ran at the combine. They can shock us, okay? Mm-hmm. They can absolutely shock us. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, Smith has an opportunity. And we'll see because because the film's there, and he's a really good football player. Um, a minute ago, while Palmer was saying something, I, and he was talking about the thing, and he mentioned the wreck for Warren McClendon, I kind of started chuckling. If you're watching that, I was not laughing at that. I was <laughs> laughing at this dude over here in the uh, comments uh, we've got we've now got somebody named Will Muschamp's reading glasses. Oh yeah, I've, reading I've, glasses has been a first time I've ever seen a mainstay of the comment section. I want. Oh, say. has he? Yeah. God, I love that because I do love those reading glasses. Those are, <laughs> mm-hmm. Watching Will Muschamp having things on the tip of his nose and kind of holding the thing up. God, man, that's that's some of the funniest stuff ever. Now I'm ha- I'm really happy for Chris Smith because I, I'll tell you this: going back even into high school. Great kid, man. Outstanding person. You know, just everything that you wanted out of a player. Played with William Poole. I think a lot of people yeah, probably did. forget that at Hateville Charter Hateville. down there. Yeah. And um, it doesn't get more Atlanta than Hateville Charter, man. Um, but uh, I'm really happy to see that it's happening for him. And I hope that, you know, all the best things happen for him. Like you said, I thought he was a depth guy, personally. I didn't know that he would ever ascend to the level and put this many starts under his belt, make as many impactful plays as he's, he's made. You know, a great rotational guy, but to see what he's done, I think a really nice testament to the Georgia developmental system. Uh, for 100%. sure. That, that's what's separating them from everybody else right now. Um, regardless of what Smith does, someone brought up on our board today, the two plays that will never leave their mind over the last couple seasons, Chris Smith had uh, both his hands in that Clemson pick six and the field goal return against LSU. And I pointed out too, um, you go back and watch that fluky bounce off the helmet, smile, London interception. Chris Smith is the guy who laid the lumber on that hit. So he was developed well, and he made some huge, huge plays for Georgia in his career. Um, I want to get to something that Jake Rowe brought up. Speaking of our message board over at dogshq.com, you can still sign up and be a premium member for $29.99 from now until the start of August, or the end of August, rather. You brought this up, Jake, and I don't want to ask the question. I want you to ask the question because I want to make sure that that it is asked the proper way so we understand what we're uh, we're talking about on the stage here. We're dealing with hypothetical here, okay? Um, by the talking way, in hypotheticals. Some, some young lady named Jenny in here, I don't know if she's talking about us. She doesn't think we're too swift. That's correct. correct. we've never claimed to be this is not we we've never claimed this is not not a requirement of the job this is not the georgia show powered by mensa okay (laughs) this is this is just 
Dogs HQ, and we're not very smart. Um, my question to our board was this. If Brock Bowers comes back, uh, and he is coming back, um, if Brock Bowers goes into this season, Georgia wins another national championship. Let's say they go 15-0 and again. You know, that happened last year. It can happen again. Uh, Brock Bowers is Georgia's number one offensive weapon again. Um, he goes for over 1,000 yards, becoming the first tight end to ever do it. Uh, maybe breaks the school record for receiving touchdowns of the season. He needs 11. Um, very doable. All this stuff. Sets records. For the third straight year, he will have been Georgia's number one weapon on the offensive side of the ball. All of that stuff. Will he be the greatest Bulldog ever? Um, I th- I mean, listen, I, my opinion doesn't really matter. Uh, but if he he does all of those things and, and has a big hand in making it happen again, um, yeah, I, th- I think he might have to be because – I don't know. There won't be another player except for Cedric Van Pran and offensive linemen just do not get the kind of love that had as big of a production hand in three national championships. Something that's never been done in the sport. SVP touches the ball first every play. Let's not count him out. He Show does, the O-line but, some love. But it's it's literally like the quickest, most unimportant thing after it's done. You know, like it's – I don't know. I, I love playing center. I did. I loved playing center in high school. I bet you were hell as a center, too. I, I don't know, man. Oh, I mean, you were – yeah, I mean, listen, you, you weren't getting by on size. You had to be scrapping. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I did I did fight a little bit. <clears throat> I, I, I blocked this kid from Clinch County one time, and and I, I remember the ref going like – or this kid was complaining to Rose, like, he's holding, he's holding. And I just said, no, I'm not. And he goes, okay. That's, that's just how it went. I don't know why. It was just one of the weirdest interactions ever. But, uh, the, the ref said okay or the defensive No, the, the kid did. Like the guy that said he was, I was holding him, he goes, oh, okay. Like, Thanks for taking my word for it, kid. I probably was holding him. I probably bit him at some point in the game. But, it's tough yeah, to get that, under that face mask with the teeth. I will say that. You got to – we also played against uh, Jonathan Smith, Fred Smith. It was it was what they called him there, uh, who ended up going to Georgia Tech, playing for the Buffalo Bills. He was a thousand yard receiver at Tech. I remember tackling air when he picked us off. Um, <laughs> yeah, at clinch. So, but yeah, I mean, no, I think Brock Bowers, man. Back to that. I, I just think that doing something that you that's never been done. Georgia goes in, and and all of a sudden you're looking at winning thirty three or thirty four out of forty five games. Yeah, no. Wait, am I, no, 43 or 44 out of 45 games. Sorry. Going in and doing something like that with Brock Bowers leading the way the entire time. Like, I, I have a hard time with it, man. I know people are saying Herschel, and I know people are saying, you know, uh, Stetson and, and Kirby. And listen, if you've been, a, if, if you're a coach, it's just kind of hard to put you in that same category. Sure. Kirby, from a player standpoint, it certainly was not Kirby. Right. Um, but, and I think you should explain your position on Herschel, which is, I, which is what I agree with too. Herschel was such an advanced athlete for his yeah. time yep. that it's almost an, an unfair comparison. Like, yes, he was incredible. He's the, probably the greatest college football player of all time, regardless of team. But Herschel Walker was a mutant. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if you put Stallion, it, it would be like if Darnell Washington ran a 4 2. You know, yeah. I mean, it was kind of a similar thing. I mean, it's. To some degree, it's an unfair comparison. Yeah, you, you had you had Herschel out there. You know, defensive linemen were outweighing him by 15, 20 pounds. 
Sure, um, exactly. At, at best. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's the only reason he's great. I think Herschel could play today with that size and that yeah. speed combination and be very, very, very good. One yeah. of the elite players in college football. But I don't think he would just run roughshod over the sport like parody. he did for three straight years. Yeah, I, there's there's parity in the sport now it, to a yeah. huge degree. Even though people I know don't want to say that, it's clearly reflected in the tweets that I get uh, tagged from uh, on three. Uh, people replying about how much they hate the rankings. Um, I hit, I hit that more, damn mute button so fast. Anytime <laughs> they tag me in one of those pictures, man. There's more parity than there's Peace. ever been in, the, in, in college football. And at that time, I don't think that was the case. And listen, I, I totally agree with you. Herschel Walker in this era, still incredibly successful, probably still a Heisman contender. But, yeah. but and that to me that is era, the line of demarcation that makes me say no on Brock. And fair or not, tight end is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. What if he did? Well, we're not talking about winning the Heisman Trophy. No, I'm saying, but that's what people would. That's what people would look at and say. Well, we didn't want a Heisman, you know, and that's. That's the kinds of things that get brought up in, in debates. When's like the last this, time a running back did win the Heisman? Now that mm-hmm. we're talking, saying Herschel, maybe. maybe. Derek? No, I'm, I'm Derek? saying Derek Henry. That's what I thought. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going back to kind of, okay, if we're juxtaposing everything to the current climate, I mean, if we're transporting everything to the current climate, then, you know, maybe Herschel wouldn't be all that heavily considered for a Heisman because it's been a long time now for running backs. It's, you know, we've seen receivers win it since. We've seen quarterbacks win it since. We, you know, running backs so devalued now. Um, I, man, Herschel's amazing. Herschel put George on the map in a lot of ways. That stretch, that that stretch in the early eighties, he was he was responsible for it. Like Coach Dooley's an amazing man. Did a lot of amazing things for Georgia when he came in and and kind of reversed the curse in a lot of ways of what Georgia was dealing with. And he recruited Herschel and he got Herschel there and he had some good teams. He was a great athletic director. He was a great man, and and he deserves every single flower we throw his way. But Herschel was the primary reason for 1980 to 1982, and I get that. But three national titles, the bell cow playmaker on offense for all three national titles. 15 and 0, I mean like 15 game seasons. Here's the reason playoff. why here's the reason why I, I said it on the board. He hasn't, at least up to this point, in the two so far, hasn't been the face of the team. And, I, it, and that's like it's, and, and I don't, it's not and, and it's fair, it's, but the tight right. end is just not gonna get that. Well, see, uh, see this that, is but okay, well, he, but, he but, might be so, the most productive player. Here's how we, in here's how we bring it. Here's how we bring he this bet. all full circle. He's definitely he not going to be that if he does this because because it's fair to say I think given everything around him that Stetson Bennett was the face of the team for the last two years. If he mm, does, I don't even like, know if he was. I don't even know if he was two years ago because of the or, probably or, Jordan or, Davis. I yeah, don't think Jordan he was Davis two years ago because I think this this past year he was. If he does it without Stetson. Then that I think is I think that's I think that puts a different spin on things personally. If Carson I, Beck or Matthew Brock, C says Georgia can win a national title without Brock Bowers, Georgia doesn't win either one of these past two national titles without Brock Bowers. One hundred percent. Or they don't win them without Todd Munkin. I mean, it's kind of a they, chicken in the egg with with how much of an impact either guy had. They, they, they might. Todd Munkin they in the middle of the longest stretch he's ever called plays right, now. They if might Todd, still if win Todd that Munkin, title without. If Todd Munkin leaves. Power. Takes the job at uh, what wherever Baltimore, um, Tampa or wherever I don't even know where he's still a candidate. 
if he leaves and Brock and the dogs and Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift are the QB, then I will I will change my mind if that is the backdrop. And I'll I just say think yes. There Brock are a lot of people was the common like, thread. Wes, you made the comment a minute ago. You were like, it's, you know, it's not fair, but this is the way it is. I'm trying to take like the fairness and all of that stuff. Like, okay, let's take it all out. Let's put this thing in a vacuum, okay? And let's just look at the let's look at the facts. The playmaker, the guy that you're trying to get the ball in his hands for a team that wins three straight national title game title games in in fifteen in fifteen game seasons, first team in modern era college football to do it, and this dude was the dude on offense the 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 one that everybody game planned against every week i i don't know man i just don't know how you cannot because that is something that nobody nobody that is something that nobody has ever done people have rushed for more yards than Herschel walker has well and you said game. and you said too does he go over a thousand yards if he goes over a thousand yards he's going to be georgia's leading receiver of all time yeah yeah i mean he, i mean it's going to take an extra two yards an in extra three, three yards. years yeah, exactly. Next He'll have to yards. do it without Darnell Washington being the yin, the yang, the bookend that guys also have the game plan against. He'll well, have he the opportunity to do it too. without Stetson, and maybe he gets Todd Munkin to, to help lead the charge again. I, I just – because and, – and, and the question is greatest Georgia player of all time, right? The greatest, greatest football Georgia football player ever. Like You think of Georgia football – you well, say listen, this now, guy now we're, was now we're the messing goat. This up. I said greatest bulldog ever. Great. Okay, okay so ever so be a bulldog. So, so greatest. Not bulldog only that, we got ever. nil money. He's giving back to his teammates. I'm. I listen. The, the, and, 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 I, <laughs> he's got guns does, for days. <laughs> Just whatever you want to pull. I got one. <laughs> that, that, and that does go to the point that I'm about to make is that there's greatest bulldog ever is just as much in my mind off the field as it is on the field. And and I think now you're now you're getting into damn good dog territory, Palmer, and that is not somewhere we want to go. I just don't know that. Again, I don't. I, I think it's the the face of the team argument. Brock Bowers hasn't been the face of Georgia. Man, this football. is great. This is like the LeBron versus Michael of Georgia. It really football. is. It, it's, it, it's subjective. Like it's subjective to every individual person. Like when Palmer, when you say when you say he hasn't been the face of the team, I want to go up to the roof of my house and jump off. Because <laughs> I just don't. Sapuku. <laughs> I'm totally joking. It doesn't make me that upset, okay? I got this pin right here. Just, just right in my eyeball. Um, I just don't think that the, that the PR aspect of it matters. You know, Brock's, Brock's terrible with the media. Like he's he's and I think that's part of <laughs> get me out of here, get me out of here but, right now. I think that's part of the the public. I mean, in order to be perceived as the greatest bulldog of all time, there's got to be a, a agreement of sort from people outside of just. Well, there's the never going to be for anybody except for Herschel at this point. I'm just trying to be. Rogue. I mean, I think I think Stetson has made a really strong case being the starting quarterback for two national championship teams. He didn't. Yeah, wave. but there were there were a few people he didn't wave at it at parade, or he would be. Yeah, he would be the greatest ever. Shout I mean, there's no him. doubt about Herschel. I wasn't I wasn't there, uh, but there's no doubt that Herschel had that magic. Like in the moment, there was no doubt people were, were watching him play, and they were saying. This is the best we've ever seen. 
We've never this, seen a bulldog uh, like this. How about this set of mental gymnastics? Okay, we're talking about greatest bulldog ever. How coachable was he? You know, did he do what his coaches asked him to do? Brock Bowers, bad in front of the media. Coaches want him to be bad in the media. Brock Bowers does that spectacularly <laughs> well. Maybe better than he plays football. So, greatest bulldog ever. I've got you. I've got you guys from every angle. And I'll say, greatest you, bulldog I'll, ever. I'll tell you this: there, in my in my opinion, we can debate this uh, as long as we want. Of course, obviously, with, we can with everything. Shout out to Chad Donner Schwantz over here for uh, Herschel Walker Kyler. Them dogs is hell, don't they? Great Squid Billy's reference. I really appreciate that. Uh, but I will tell you this: there is nobody, nobody who has ever played at Georgia, and this is this is a definitive statement on my point. Uh, who has been as surprising as what Brock Bowers has done. We knew Brock Bowers was a good player. Nobody thought that he was going to be what he is. And part of that is that he didn't play his senior year of high school football. So nobody really knew what he was going to be about by the time he got there. The dude has shown up and only, I mean, listen, I mean, what, what can you say? Like you said, bro, it's success has followed him uh, as he's moved, I think. One more piece of food. I, for I mean, here. I mean, you you could push back with the biggest surprise being Stetson. He came as a walk on. Yeah, mm. that one crept yeah. up on us for a long time, though. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. say, I've, I've yeah. said that, 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 there was an incubation period. <laughs> <laughs> the only person that I ever heard call the shot on Bowers was David Pollock, and he he was confident about. It. He's like, yeah, Darnell's going to be hurt for Clemson. Georgia's thin at tight end. Watch this Bowers kid. He could really be special. Now, yeah, well, I, I gotta say, I don't say remember him having that great of a game against Clemson. And I he think did. It's just he, of, did. he didn't have a great game, but they used the him game. to the kind of soften that. Was terrible. He did the Clemson yeah. He defense. did that. He did that following week against UAB though. I remember yeah. remember sitting at a Napa pool in in Napa, California, watching that game and being like, "Holy snap! This this cat's from right here." And we kind of traded places there for a minute. But listen, I, mean, I got I got to fight back on David Pollock calling it at that point because I think we all knew if you had a source or two at that point at practice, sure. and DP probably saw it for himself. At that point, we knew Georgia had a dude. Um, it was just a matter of of kind of getting into it and and you know. High school ranks. Though. Yeah, yeah. He, actually, he was, he yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that no one knew he was good. I'm saying. Pollock was yeah. the only person I heard on the radio actually say, like, this guy can be a game changer this week against Clemson. Like, he, no one he, was really thinking about that. But you, but you look back, and this th th he should have been a top five recruit in that class. You know, like, he should have been a top top five, top eight recruit in that. Uh, listen, we, we got another comment over here. Uh, Matthew C. says, I think Wes has it. Herschel was a national phenomenon. Bowers is great. Phenomenon? No. Uh, Brock Bowers is a phenomenon. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got Adam Rittenberg saying he's the best player in college football coming into 20, uh, he's uh, a 2023. You know, I mean, th there are a lot of people that say that, but the tight end thing, th and one of the reasons I love this debate is because the tight end thing clouds a lot of Absolutely. stuff here. Yeah, but and I it also sucks think, and it shouldn't because the tight end is the best position ever invented. In yeah, I personally sport. think that I personally think that Todd Munkin is, you know, like Todd Munkin's success at Georgia. And listen, I think the world of him, I think he's extremely smart. I think it's a big product of Brock Bowers because Bowers gives him a way to tinker with defenses and to yo-yo defenses in such a way that drives them insane. You line up in 11, you line up in 12 personnel with two tight ends and they've got to play you like you're an 11, but you can work like you're 12 or you can work like you're 21 with 
with you know two running backs or, or two tight ends. They're going to give him the ball. They're going to let him block on the perimeter. They're going to let him block in line. He doesn't have to get the football to destroy you because you've got somebody committed to him in coverage. He blocks another guy. He's he's basically getting a two. He's going happy hour every time he blocks somebody because he's taking two people out of a play. I mean, it, I'm telling you, it really changes the way that Georgia does things. And there's no, there's there's all it's you have to do is look at the way they're it's recruiting the tight end position. You look at the way they're recruiting the tight end position. They're they're recruiting super good athletes who have a chance to give them the same flex and the same, um, you know, offensive, you know, uh, dynamic versatility, uh, scheme versatility that, that Bowers gives them because they know how important that is. What, and is, you know, there, is there, is there, I mean, there's probably a pro comparison. I mean, from a Georgia perspective though, as there, it, I mean, I can't think of anybody like him. No, I mean, the, the, there's one comparison and nobody wants to make it. It's uh, it's Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just lost me. What? As a football player, as what he does on the football field, he's a killer. He's very, he's very Aaron Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> he really is. Like when Aaron Hernandez was in New England, they would run the stretch play outside zone with him in the backfield. They would go. It in is there like no that H back vibe for sure. Yeah. What he's yeah. doing. He's, what he's yeah. doing to defenses is criminal. Yeah. <laughs> bodies everywhere you're gonna get us in trouble <laughs> they're trying to put they're trying to lock him up but they can't <laughs> i like dylan dylan brooks is right real george kittle guy i can yeah, see that george i can see the kittle, that the kittle and kelsey comparisons i think are fair you know but yeah. he's i mean but, Brock but Bowers. You, can't, you can't hand the ball off to kelsey or kittle sure yeah. I mean, you you probably could more with Kelsey than you can Kittle, but I think he's like Chris. I think he's like uh, Kelsey as a receiver, and then he's Kittle as a blocker. Good guys, because he's really good in that area. Like he'll snap your head back. I mean, you he'll make you you know he'll make you taste a little blood. I mean, like Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dog stock time. I'm going. Uh, Stock down on Brock Bowers, man. That guy sucks. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm, I'm going to stock off. up on this Georgia-Bama rivalry. I think we can really call this thing a rivalry now. Georgia's had a lot of murky rivals in the SEC through the years, just depending on which part of the state you live in. I think Alabama is officially now Georgia's internet rival. You have uh, South Carolina if you're on the east part of the state. You got Florida if you're down south. You got Auburn. Uh, if you're out on the western side, if you're in Columbus, Alabama is over all of them. They are the overarching rival for Georgia right now on the internet. And I tweeted about it a few days ago. Uh, this rivalry, this nastiness on Twitter is going to be legendary this summer. And I'm saying stock up based on the recent events of Glenn Schumann. Uh, for now, staying with Georgia, not going to Bama. There are a lot of hurt feelings from Alabama fans, and I know that because they tweeted at us about Glenn Schumann uh, going to Bama, and that did not happen. So I know that they're working through some things tonight, and it's just going to make for some entertaining back and forth that I will probably end up muting by May. Stock up on the Georgia-Bama rivalry being a real rivalry in the conference. Okay. Somebody else? 
Or should I step in? I don't know. Let's <laughs> just end it. It's a little dead air there. That's great. Uh, <laughs> you're muted, Jake. I'm sorry. I was going to try and hold my straight face as long as I possibly could and just look at the camera. But. Uh, no, I'll do stocks um, next, and I'm going to say stock up on Georgia's 2024 class. Um, if you're not paying attention, and you should be, Georgia's sitting at number one right now. Also, stock up on Jake Roos's uh, free time at this moment because we're as far away from signing day as we could possibly be, and um, I think that that's great. It's a little quiet right now. It's all getting ready to pick up, though. Spring practice will be here before we know it. They'll have guys on campus. They'll be out on the road to um, it. So there's a lot going on in the uh, terms of recruiting um, and spring football's always a big time. A lot of offers going out right now, but currently Georgia's sitting at number one in the class um, for 2024. And I don't think they're going to be doing a lot of looking back from there. Um, number one player at the position at cornerback, Ellis Robinson, number one tight end per the consensus Landon Thomas. Number two safety in the uh, country, Peyton Woodyard. Number three safety in the country, Jalen Hayward. Number five linebacker in the country, Demarcus Riddick. Number eight at his position, uh, Nye Carr. You got Dwight Phillips, the number six athlete in this class. Giovanni Mizell, number six at the running back spot. Ryan Puglisi, number 11 consensus. Number three on on three. And then Sokovi White rounding it out, uh, a three-star guy, the only one in this class currently. Georgia absolutely killing it out on the uh, recruiting trail right now. There's no question about it. You're talking about every guy for the most part. I mean, you got, what, nine of your – or uh, eight of your top ten consensus uh, top 100 players. Georgia has a real chance, I think, to compete for greatest class ever in terms of ranking here. If they hold as they do, I know that's 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 big to say. But when you look at the in-state talent available this year, especially at key positions, they've got guys like Colin Simmons out of Texas, the number one edge rusher in this class, heavily considering them. Don't know that they'll land him. Texas and LSU going to be compelling there. They've got everything going their way. Um, we talked about Glenn Schumann and his recruiting prowess early. Georgia has a staff full of dogs when it comes to the recruiting trail, and they have success on their side. It's meshing together. I think 2024 is going to be, at worst, um, I, if it's not the record-setting class, I think it will be. I think it will be Kirby Smart's best class in terms of uh, ranked talent. Russo, and, and, and that includes two number one classes already. That is correct. Eighteen and twenty. That that is correct. Russo, a lot of people making a big deal about uh, Coach Prime tweeting out that he wants to take all this talent out of Georgia. Um, but I found that kind of funny because Kirby Smart doesn't, you know, necessarily take a ton of recruits from Georgia. Not that that, you know, isn't wouldn't be an impressive feat if Deion Sanders would, would come in here and to the state of Georgia and get another crop of Travis Hunters out to Colorado, but it's not necessarily the dig at Kirby Smart individually that a lot of people wanted to make that. No, I don't no. think so. I, I think it's a, I think it's a smart play on Dion's part yeah. to come into the state of Georgia. Georgia's one of the most talent-rich states. I think they've ascended to number three in the nation in terms of the guys that they put out. So, uh, yeah, he should absolutely be here. He wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't. Um, but if you're if you're a kid in state 
and you're considering, all right, where can I go and be developed by the best and win national championships in the next couple of years? Look, Dion may prove everybody to be wrong and, and may ascend and, and send guys all over the place. But right now, as it stands, there's no comparison between the two schools. Georgia has the proven success in terms of the W column and in terms of the draft status. Dogs will pick and choose, I think, to some degree. They couldn't do it last year. Caleb Downs, Justice Haynes, those guys got away. But they're going to get their fair share of the top players in the Peach State. Dogs are in a really strong position. And the national brand is as strong as it has ever been because the success has been sustained. You've seen them go out to California. You've seen them get guys from Texas. They're going to continue to do that in 2024. Real quick, uh, teaser for tomorrow morning. Um, big news coming on a – I was talking about that national brand, a uh, out-of-state prospect. Big news coming tomorrow over oh. at Dogs HQ. I'll have it out first thing in the morning. So, uh, Gosh, man, us. we're 52 yep. minutes into the show. You couldn't have uh, – <laughs> couldn't have teed that up a little sooner? Leg, listen, man, people – I'm not – wasn't going to give it to them on this show. Reverse okay. pyramid style, buddy. Yeah. All right. We're doing the we do we go pyramid style on this show. stock yeah stock up on that All right, stick with up? us till the end we'll give you something good I'll, Over, uh, I'll stock I'll down on the basketball team right yeah, bingo stock down on basketball stock down on the time after football no I am uh, I, I'm gonna continue with the theme of recruiting and stock up on on three give ourselves a pat on the back guys um, on three put put it together last week. Um, looking at the consensus on three was highest um, in terms of the four recruiting outlets um, and who was the highest on each individual player. Uh, if my math is correct, Georgia or on three was highest on Georgia's uh, signing class um, in terms of I think there were eight guys uh, that on three had the highest ranking for uh, that includes Five's consensus five-star, Monroe Freeling, who was a top 10 player in the class, number seven overall, um, by far the highest there. Um, he was 33, 56, 53 for the other three. Um, Georgia also on three, also very high on a couple of the offensive linemen, Kelton Smith um, and um, Jamal Merriweather. Um as well as big, two, big, big difference on Jamal Merriweather. Yes, for sure. Um, and I've actually got that one pulled up on three, 195, 13 offensive tackle. You look at the other ones, they don't have him ranked nationally, 32 offensive tackle, 42 offensive tackle, and no ranking for his position. Um, on three, very high on him uh, in terms of the, the national uh, industry comparison. Also, the wide receivers, um, and, and that's a that's a group that wide receivers and corners, two positions that were priorities in this class um, on three, the highest on Tyler Williams and Yazid Haynes for the wide receivers, uh, and, and and for the cornerbacks, Daniel Harris and Chris Peel um, on three, also the highest there um, in terms of Kyron Jones, who's listed as an athlete but likely to play corner. So stock up on on three uh, recruiting and – how high they are, we are on Georgia. Stock up on Spanx. I just saw that uh, that ad up there in the top right. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't toenail toe. fungus. At least it's not the toe ad. ad Wes, uh, yeah, at least the toes aren't there anymore. Wes over here buying Spanx. Um, <laughs> nah, Wes don't need him. He's a he's a slim cat. 
These are not targeted ads. My stock up story comes. My stock up comes with a story, and it began. It began over a century ago in Ireland. That's when the family of Kenny McIntosh decided to come over to the states. They decided to make the move over to the states. They settled in Florida. They said no. O'Malley's O'Malley's originally, I believe they were. They. (laughs) <laughs> they said no more potato farming for us. We are living where it's warm. And Kenny McIntosh created a name for himself in the state of Florida. Okay. And then Georgia comes calling and he goes to Georgia and uh, he has a good career. 1,333 total yards as a senior helping Georgia go 15 and 0 and win a national championship. Kenny McIntosh participated in the senior bowl and he was asked after the senior bowl yesterday, by some gentleman, some gentleman that didn't really want to hear his explanation, I don't think, for the for, <laughs> for why he did. He kind of appreciates you, appreciates you, appreciates you. Uh, but um, he asked him, why did you choose Georgia over Florida? And Kenny McIntosh said, quote, man, I wanted to win. And uh, perfect answer to that question uh, for a Florida kid that did go to Georgia and, and you know, did a lot against, uh, against Florida in terms of uh, – on the field, off the field, demoralizing. A couple of coaches, I think, got fired during – or maybe just one coach got fired during his time there. Um, but, yeah, Kenny McIntosh, those roots all the way back in Ireland to Florida, to Georgia. He's still a Florida boy, but uh, he chose to play at Georgia for one reason. He wanted to win, and uh, that was a perfect answer, and I'm sure Gator fans are going to really love him from here on out. Yeah, Kenny McIntosh, DGD. Yeah. Easy for to sure. And uh, and I said, too, you better believe that when some Florida kids come on a recruiting visit, they're going to put that thing. They're going to put that video up on those video boards in, uh inside the practice. facility. Hey, hey, where, where would y'all just out of curiosity, where would y'all rank him in terms of Kirby Smart era running backs? Uh, let me I mean, see what he does. He, let me see what he does in the league. He's behind. He's behind. And, and in terms of their Georgia careers, Georgia. He's careers. behind Kevin Michelle. He's behind Swift. Swift. He's top five. He's top um, five for me. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I'd say he's top five. I, mean, I would put him. I would put him above. I he had a better above, season than Zamir and, and, and Cook. And he had a better season above. Yeah. he had a season way better than either one of those guys had. What about? Uh, I mean, yeah, Harrion. I think you got to go above them. Um, I think. I think Swift. Well, maybe. had a thousand yard season, but. Yeah, I think Holyfield is the only other guy. You know, the, the big three are ahead of him: Swift, Chubb, Michelle, for sure. And then Holyfield is the only other guy I'd consider just did because Quint, he had a thousand yards. Two one thousand yard seasons. Who's that? Did Swift have two one thousand yard seasons? Yeah, he's 18. one of like five backs in school history to have more than one. So he did it in nineteen. I I couldn't remember if he did or didn't. Yeah, it's Herschel, Chubb, Michelle. Uh, Herschel, Chubb, Michelle, Noshawn, and Swift are the only backs in school history that have ever had more than one 1,000-yard season. That's pretty good company right there. Yeah. Uh, no, guys, the what's going on tomorrow night? Hey, we're uh, barking the dark, uh, bark after dark. Bark Sorry, in the dark. Is that what it is? Bark in the dark, bark after dark? No. Bark after bark dark. After dark. Uh, hey, you know, whatever. We just named the thing. We'll, we'll bark <laughs> in the dark. We'll bark after dark. We'll bark <laughs> We'll bark in the morning if that's what it takes. Uh, now, nah, come join us 9 o'clock tomorrow night. We're going to we make it started a little bit earlier. It's just going to be me and Roos. Um, we've got some guests lined up for shows coming forward. We'll talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit about kind of the mission statement for what we're trying to do. Um, guys, we're, we're just trying to entertain and tell good stories. Um, 
I hope we hit it on the screws every single time, but I don't know if we will. People it, listening, the people listening it gets to the podcast every single time that happens. It gets me every time thinking about the audio only listeners. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll be all Come right. Come check us out on YouTube. That's, that's, that's the biggest reason why. You Matthew C with the boys. Matthew C wants to know what you're drinking tomorrow night, Jake. And I'm curious too, what you're gonna be drinking tomorrow night. Your name's Jake too. Well, I understand. I but I I, I drink every time we do this. Teetotaler that, that <laughs> I'm gonna have. Uh, I'm I'm probably gonna have a few fingers of sipping tequila with a uh, with a um, La Hacienda de Chihuahua, um, an organic tequila. Uh, it is uh, it's very smooth. Kind of has a has a little bit of a. We'll talk about it later. I'll yeah. tell you guys about later. Let me not get let me not spin out here and, and talk about yeah. my the, the must, vanilla notes. Must must chance reading glasses says drinking Jim Beam. I, you don't want me to do that show on Jim Beam. I <laughs> promise you. Um, the microwave will be on the floor. I've yeah. uh, I'm I, I'm a beer guy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to switch it up um, from week to week with uh, beers. So awesome. Um, I, I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go hit the beer cave over at Ingles and see what they got over there and. Uh, just, uh, you know, got a big day planned, might hit the Home Depot, get some shutters. We don't know. You know, we don't <laughs> we want to have time. time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a bad order. Beyond stop. <laughs> Producer Palmer may throw back, too. Yeah, Palmer's, yeah. Palmer will be, Palmer's going to be a part of this thing. Say, Palmer's going to be off camera, so he might get Palmer's going to be sipping on some <laughs> Blue Moon with an orange peel in the top. I can see that for Palmer. I don't, I I don't hate that. that. No. Um, no, uh, tomorrow night though, just me and Jake and, um, it's, uh, the, the J and J law firm together for the first time. Um, uh, and, uh, we're going to interview each other, which yeah. is going to be fun. Uh, something we've never done before. So, um, I, I'm honestly, I'm more interested in the questions that Roe comes up with for me than I am, uh, how that's actually going to go because I've got some real interesting questions coming for Jake Rowe. Oh, yep. Bark After Dark is a great name, but y'all could have had Barking with the Boys. You could have had Between Two Jakes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it, guys. We've got a rebrand coming soon. Rebrand coming. Yeah, no, Bark After Dark is here to stay. Y'all check it out tomorrow night um, right here on the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. Stay tuned to that. Stay tuned to this and uh, everything that is still to come this week. It's going to be a magical week in the land of the back-to-back defending national champ, Georgia Bulldogs. Y'all hit like and subscribe if you don't already. Sign up for a premium membership at dogshq.com, and we will see you back here on uh, Wednesday, 8.30 p.m., and on Bark After Dark on Monday night. Peace.